We're continuing the next pasuk of Shir Lamalot. After it speaks about how Hashem watches over us and Hashem is our shadow, Pasuk says, and then we spoke about Yomam Hashem Eshloyakeka. We spoke about how Hashem protects us from our success and from our, God forbid, the difficult times. Hashem is there with us. Now the Pasuk says, Adonai Yishmorcha Mikol Ra. Hashem will watch over you from all bed. Yishmor et nafshecha. He will watch over your soul. So this seems to be already repetitive. How many times are you going to say the same words? Hashem watches over you. We said already. Hashem shomrecha. Right? We said He protects us. This pasuk comes... And says, Hashem will watch over you. Mikolra. Kolra means all bed. All bed. Mikol. From anything that's bed. So I want to just share with you just a simple thought on how to read words in. Tanakh like this when it speaks the language of truth so for example if it would say Hashem Yishmorcha Hashem will watch over you Mera from bed what would that mean? which, which bed? all bed the Tanakh speaks in the Lashon, the language of truth. If the Pasuk would say, Hashem will watch over you from bed, so that means anything bed, He's watching over you. You don't have to say from all bed. If we have to say sometimes things like that because we don't speak the truth, so we have to, oh, I'm going to do everything for you. But if a person is truth, right? If whatever you need, I do for you. I don't have to say everything. If the pasuk would say, Hashem will watch you from bed. Done. Why do you have to say, Hashem will watch you from everything that's bed? Follow? When you see the word call, so it must be coming to include things that you may have not thought would be included. Follow? When the, when the pasuk has to say, Hashem is going to watch you from anything that's bad, that means there are things that you wouldn't have thought on your own are bad. But the, and the pasuk is saying, you should know, even those things, Hashem has to watch over you. Follow? So the question is, what are those things? So, it can, obviously, cholera can't mean from sickness, right? Because it's clear, sickness is bad. 
It can't mean that, God forbid, a guy lost his money. That's clear that's bad. It can't mean that a guy is not getting married. It's clear that's bad, right? And in spiritual things as well. Clear what's good and what's bad. So what could this possibly be coming to include? What things in life are bad, but you don't know they're bad? And the Pasuk is telling you, says David HaMelech, Hashem is going to watch you from things that you don't even know they're bad. But they're bad. And Hashem will watch over you anyway. But what are those things? Anyone can guess? Anger is bad. Clear. Jealousy is bad. We know it's bad. Kol Ra. Again, one more time. Sam. Kol Ra has to be coming to teach you about something that people may not view or may not realize is so bad. And Hashem has to watch over you even though you don't understand that this needs a shmirah. What is that? Says the Midrash. This is the Midrash. The Midrash talks in such a um, cryptic way, right? But the idea of the Midrash is always to open our minds. And it never tells us straight. I told you that many times before. Because in life we need to learn. If they give it to you all on a platter, you're not learning. You're just listening. Listening is nice. But learning is much nicer. So wise people, they give you something. They serve you something. But then they expect you to cut it up and to put it in the right context and understand it yourself. This way you're learning, not just listening. So here's an example of that. The Midrash says on this Pasuk, what does it mean? Mikolra says the Midrash, Me'asav Umilavan. Hashem will watch you from Asav and from Lavan. Now, Asav and Lavan, they passed away many thousands of years ago. What does that mean? He's going to watch you from Isav and Lavan. Again, Hazal, look at this Pasuk. They're obviously bothered by the question I asked. What does it mean? Kol ra, all bad, anything that's bad. So they say, oh, he's going to save you from Isav and from Lavan. Let me suggest to you what the Midrash perhaps means. Not necessarily does everyone need to be watched from Isav and Lavan. Again, obviously they're not here. And if it means they're descendants, not necessarily is that a Haidush. If you have an enemy that wants to kill you, of course you need to be watched from that. But the Midrash means that there's something about these people. It's not protection from them hurting us. It's protection from being like them. I mean, there's something that Isav represents and there's something that Lavan represents and we wouldn't realize necessarily how bad it is. And that's what David Melech is saying Hashem will watch you from being Isam. 
what does Isav represent? So I'm going to tell you the story with Isav. You ready for this story? Very important story. You should never forget this story. When I learned this years ago, it made such an impression on me that it sticks with me all the time. It's Sometimes you hear things, they stick with you because you see how clear they are and they stay as part of your life. The famous story of Yaakov and Isav when Isav came from the field very hungry. Basuk says that when Isav came in, Yaakov was making lentil soup. The reason he was making lentil soup is because Abraham, grandpa, passed away. When a person is eating at the time of Avelut, so they usually eat something round, like an egg, lentils. These are normal foods for people who are in Avelut, at least in the beginning. For different reasons, but that's not for now. Bottom line is, it was the day where Yaakov, Abraham passed away. It was a very big funeral. The Midrash talks about how the entire world was in mourning for the leader. They say the world lost its leader. Abraham was not a, a private individual. He was a man who was known throughout the world and he affected the world in many ways. So he was a very big man. When he passed away, it was a big deal. On that day, Yaakov is making soup for his father who is sitting in Avelut. Yitzhak is sitting in Avelut. So the Pasuk says, Isav came from the field that day. Vehu Ayef, he was tired. Tired physically, tired emotionally, tired spiritually. Vayomer Isav el Yaakov, Isav sees Yaakov making the soup, the lentil soup. So he tells him, He tells him, in other words, feed me. Give me to eat from this red, red stuff. I'm tired. Good. He wants to, he wants it. Alken says the pasuk almost in parentheses, like a, a break in the action of the pasuk. We're in the middle of telling you a story about he, we didn't get to the answer yet. What did Yaakov answer him? What happened before that? It's almost as if the Torah goes out of its way and says, stop, parentheses. Alken, Alken means therefore. Because he asked for the red, red stuff, Alken, therefore, Kara Shemo, they called his name Edom. Isav is known to be Edom. In history, they call him Edomi. In the Torah, he's referred to as Edom. Close parenthesis. So let's think. His name is Isav. That's the name that was given to him when he was born. 
But from this story, his name changed. He now became Edom. And the Torah finds real estate here. In the Torah, real estate is very, very expensive. They found space to tell us when Isav changed over to Edom. So I'm not sure why we need to know that. This is not a, the Torah is not about Isav. So obviously, it's important for us to know why Isav became Edom. But besides that, it's the most ridiculous reason. Could you imagine that you would walk into a store this morning and you'd say, I want white eggs. So for the rest of your life, they call you white? Twice, I want white, white eggs. So they oh, white. Not only you're called white, your children are called white, your nation is called white, and one day they look into research, why they call it white? So one time, he walked into the store, he asked them for eggs that were white twice, and they called them white. And not only is this what happened, the Torah finds it as a very important anyan. Uh, 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 look what happened to the guy. He asked for red, they called him red. Seems to be a very ridiculous reason to develop a name. Because you asked your brother for the red stuff. And if some clown who was sitting there watching called them red because of that, surely the Torah is not going to report some dumb comment by a guy who was sitting there and saying, Oh wow, the red, red stuff, we're going to call you red. Silly, very silly. Why is it that this became his name and what's so important about it? I'm going to tell you something very important now. Isav had a very difficult decision to make at that moment on that day. He knew why Yaakov was making lentil soup. I'm telling you, even regular people in the street, people from far away heard about the death of Abraham Avinu. Isav was not ignorant. He knew very well why Yaakov was making lentil soup. It was to give his father, he's sitting Avel, he's sitting in mourning. But he had a dilemma because he wanted the soup. Now asking for the soup that your father is supposed to eat while he's Avel, could you imagine? They prepared a meal for the Avelim. Guy comes, I'm hungry. What's for lunch? That's what we have. Oh, can I have that? I not nice. Not nice. You're asking for the food that your father's eating his first meal as an Avel? You can't, you can't do that. Isav knows you can't do that. So he has a problem. On one hand, he knows it's not nice, not proper to take the food that's made for his father. On the other hand, he wants, he's hungry. So what does he do? So he figures out a solution. 
He says, give me from the red stuff. What's in the red stuff? Maybe it's tomato soup. He makes it as if he has no idea what kind of soup it is. He doesn't call it the lentil soup. That would be clear evidence that he knows what it's for. He doesn't say that. He says, give me from the red stuff. And he repeats the red stuff twice to make sure everyone hears that he has it. He's an innocent guy. He doesn't know. He wants from the red soup. Give me from the red stuff. Says the Pasuk Alken for this kind of behavior, which is reflective of Aisab, not only here. It's obviously who is, you know, there are times in life where people behave and they'll say, but I don't always do that. If you did this, it says a lot about you. You you don't do things like that unless you're a certain kind of person. For a person to walk in and take food that's made for his father who's in mourning and make believe that he doesn't know anything says the Pasuk Alken, that's why his name for now and forever is called Edom. Edom represents a faker. Edom represents a man who knows what the soup is, but doesn't want you to know that he knows. So he'll give it a different name. So he comes out with his food that he wants and looks good in the eyes of others. This is the essence of Aisav. He is a faker. That's why you'll see in the Torah, for example, he is known, Aisav is known as the man who respected his parents like nobody else. Kibud Abba'em. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel says that I served my father, I couldn't reach a percentage of what Aisab did for his father. Aisab, and what's the example he gives? When Aisab would serve his father, he would put on his Shabbat suit. When he would go visit his father, he wouldn't go in jeans. He wouldn't go in shorts. Going to visit my father, what does that mean? Go, he goes, put on his royal clothing. He says, me, I go see my father, I have my clothes on. Aisab wouldn't do that. Aisab would go to his father with the top of the top. That's what a great Tana, Rabban Shimon Megamiel says about Aisab. So, but yet, the Pasuk says, after the story of Yaakov, taking the berachot from him. He knows the value of the berachot and he knows he sold it, but he feels bad. What does he say? The pasuk says, he says, Yikrevu yeme evel avi. When Yaakov took the berachot, the pasuk says, Aisaf says, Yikrevu 
Soon my father is going to die and I will be able to take care of my brother Yaakov. Could you imagine a man say, Yikrevu? Yikrevu means that Hashem soon. Yikrevu. He doesn't say, Oh, my father dies. Okay, it's also not so great. But he says, Yikrevu. Yikrevu means karov. Soon, with God's help. Inshallah, when my when my uh, father dies, I'll be able to take care of my brother Isav, uh, Yaakov. What? Is this the man that Rashbag says, I didn't reach a percentage of his kibbut Abba'im? Is this the same guy that's saying, soon my father's going to die so I can kill my brother? What happened to the kibbut Abba'im? The answer is, his kibbutz Abba'im was external. It was awesome. It was awesome. He did great. He put on the clothes, as Rashbag commented. He looked great. And maybe his father appreciated him. In fact, the Pasuk says, Yitzhak. Look what it says. Yitzhak loved Esav. Why? Ki tsaid befiv. Tsaid means to hunt, to trap. His mouth was full of trap. He would always be looking like he's doing the right thing. He would always ask the right questions. For example, Hazal tell us that when he would ask his father about maser, maser, is when you give a percentage of your crop. Halakha is when you have wheat, you have barley, you have grain that grows, you're supposed to give percentage. You're supposed to give 2% to the Kohen, you give 10% to the Levi, another 10% to the Ani. There's, that's called Masrot. Even today in Eretz Israel, when you go eat in Eretz Israel today, you have to know that even the fruit and vegetable stores need ashgaha. In America, only restaurants need a certificate of kashrut. But if you go today to a fruit store, he doesn't have. You don't ask him where's your certificate. You don't need certificate for fruits, for vegetables. But in Israel, you can't buy from a fruit store. Unless he has a certificate. Why? Because the, 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 the items that are grown in Israel are not kosher until they separate from them the masrot. They have to take percentage and give it to whoever they have to give it. Not kosher, they can't eat it. So we have maser by, by fruits, by vegetables, by grain. You know what Isa would ask his father? He'd say, Dad, how do you separate maser from salt? Salt. Salt. There's no maser in salt. It's Hakwood here. Wow, look at this kid. Look how pious he is. Look how he's separating maser in salt. That's called Ketsayid Befim. Aisav knew. Don't think when you saw Aisav, 
you would see this horrible person. No, no. If you would see Aisav, he would look like one of the Gedole Ador. He would look like one of the giants of the generations. Yitzhak saw him as a very special young man. Look at the questions he asked. Look at the way he serves me. Look at his kibud abba'im. Look at the way he prays. Look at the way he does mitzvot. But Aisav is a faker. Aisav doesn't have a connection between what's in his heart and his actions. He is someone who is externally showing how good he is, but internally, he's not good at all. Now, you should know that being bad externally and internally is better than being a fake. Someone says, what's better? Should I be a fake? Should I be a fake? I'll show on the outside, right, that I am awesome. I do all the right things. But I'll tell you the truth, inside I really don't, I don't go for it. If I'm in private, I don't care. But outside I do all the right things. Rabbi, should I be a faker? Answer is, to be a faker is worse than to be all bad. If you're all bad, it's better than to be a faker. You know that. And there's a simple reason why. Simple reason why. Because if you're all bad, one day you might become good. There's a chance that one day you'll wake up when you know you're not good. You know, when you fake being good, you st- one day not only you convince people, you start convincing yourself. At some point, you start to convince yourself that you're also good. That's the way it works. A guy who's a faker has zero shot of making teshuvah. Because in his eyes and in people's eyes, the guy's awesome. But when you're not good, not outside, not inside, there might be a chance that one day you'll wake up and you start realizing, what have I accomplished? What am I doing? Now somebody might ask me, what about the Gemara that says, the Gemara speaks about this. The Gemara says, what if a person comes to you and says, listen, I'm not so pure. Lishma means I do things purely. I'm not so pure. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to give charity. I'm being honest, it's not pure. It's called low lishma. I'm going to do a mitzvah, not pure. I'm going to come to pray every day, but I'm telling you, it's not really pure. It's called low lishma. Should a person do it or not do it? When I ask this question, if a person is not sincere in his actions, in his learning, in his mitzvot, in his chesed, in his dakah, should he do it or not do it? So the Gemara says, do it. Do it even though you're not pure. Why? Why? Because mitoch shelolishma, because we're convinced that if you do it, even though it's not pure, you come to learn once, it's not so pure. You come to learn again. One day, you'll become pure. You give charity, not so pure. You do it for the honor. You do, okay, fine, give it. Why? One day, you will graduate and you'll realize and you'll do it better. 
So let it be a stepping stone to becoming the right, authentic, true person. That's the Gemara says. So somebody asked us the question, should I do it even though I don't mean it? Answer is yes. So wait, I just told you, not that one. So how does I fit with the Gemara? I don't have the ability to argue with the Gemara. You know that. There's two types of lolishma. When we tell a guy, do it lolishma. Don't worry, do it, you'll get there. It's a guy who wants to be lishma. It's a guy who tells you, listen, I really want to give charity with all my heart without any, any other external things. I really do. But I can't do it. What can I tell you? I want to be honest. I can't do it. I'm not there yet. So you know what you tell him? Give charity, lo lishma, and with God's help, you'll get there. He wants to get there. The guy himself wants to get there. I want to pray lishma. I want to do mitzvot lishma. I just can't do it. I'm not there. Okay. Do it lo lishma. With God's help, you'll get there. Why? Because the guy himself wants to be lishma. He wants to be that, but he's not there yet. We tell him, don't worry, fake it till you make it. But if a person has no goals of being lishma, he just wants to fake his for the entire life like this. He just wants to be a fake. He's not interested in being pure, doesn't care about it. His life goal is to look good externally, even though inside he's not. That guy is not who the Gemara is talking about. That's not a guy, because that guy is not getting to Lishma. The guy who wants to stay as a faker, he's not going to go up to Lishma. It's not the opposite. His chances of becoming the right person become even more slim when he is a faker. So you have to know that. Being a faker is a terrible, terrible thing. It may look good on the outside, but it's terrible. Like David was mentioning, that's why in, it's interesting how it worked out like that. But if you look around the world, unfortunately, there are Jews that eat not kosher. And some even eat meat not kosher. The people are so lost, they have zero. But hazir? Hazir? To eat pig? They are Jews that don't keep Shabbat. They, don't, they eat on Kippur. They don't keep... They eat Hamed on Bezah. Hazir? No, no. I don't know Hazir. Hazir is like... Impossible. Can't. Can't do it. A Jew eats Hazir at like a, at a different level. Hazir... Hazir became like the mascot of who... Someone who's not Jewish. You can do every Averah in the book, but not Hazir. And when you look in the Torah, it's very surprising this. Because if you look in the Torah, you see that actually Hazir is more kosher than many other things. Torah says that in order to be kosher for an animal, you have to have two signs. has to have split hoofs. The feet have to be split. Can't be one piece. And has to chew its cud, which means it eats the food, goes down to the stomach, comes back up and rechews it. 
Those are the two signs of a kosher animal. Torah says every animal in the world has both, both kosher or neither, not kosher. Except for four. And the hazir is one and only. Shano hazir has a unique place in this world. He is the one and only. There's no one like him that has split hoofs but doesn't chew his cut. He's the only animal in the world. Amazing. So if you look in the Torah, you realize that hazir is more kosher than non-kosher animals. So why did it become the symbol of anti-Jewish? How did that happen? Answer is because the hazir is a faker. Hazir has his split hoof. He's the only one that does that. The other three exceptions, they have non-split hoofs, but they chew their cut. He has split hoofs and doesn't chew his cut. He's the only one. So perhaps the reason why he is the representative of something so not kosher, because he's a fake. That is the story of Isav. Just another point on this. It says that when Yaakov heard, Yaakov heard, he listened to his father and mother. They didn't want him to marry girls from Kena'an. They told him, we want someone from our family. We have different values. Don't marry these girls from Kena'an. Kena'an is the one that was cursed. If you remember from the story of Ham and Noah, we don't want to be with those people. So what did, what did Yaakov do? He listened to his father and mother. I'm sure there were many attractive girls there that he wanted to marry. And he listened to his father and mother and went, Oh, what does the Pasuk say after that? Vayar Aisav. Aisav saw, he realized, Kira'ot benot Kena'an. That the girls of Kena'an were not good. In the eyes of his father, it's hot. What did he do? What did he do? Vayelech Aisav el Yishmael. Aisav went to Yishmael, which is our family. Vayikah. And he went and he married at Mahalat bat Yishmael ben Abraham. Pasuk goes all the way to Abraham to tell you. He wanted to find someone who is from the seed of Abraham. He went to marry the daughter of Ishmael because his father wanted that. Beautiful. How great is that? He just hears that his father doesn't like this type of girl and he goes and he marries the other one that he likes. Beautiful. Kibud Abba'im. Look at the way he acts. Asuk says, Al Nashav Lolisha. But he kept all the other wives. As she says, He's trying to show that he's listening also to his father. But meanwhile, he's married to girls of Canaan. He left them. He didn't, he didn't get rid of them. He didn't say, okay, my father doesn't like this. Done. He stayed married to all the other girls too. He just got another one. This one is the one when he would go visit his father, he would take Mahalat. His father would say, who's this girl? Oh, my, my, my wife, who is she? Oh, smile. The other, the other ones in the house, he doesn't bring them. That is Aisab. 
Esav is a faker. I will end with a story. By the way, in today's time, in our world today, this is a very, very big, big nisayon. It's a very big challenge for us because we live in a very fake world. Today, the world is about the label, not about the product. And that's not just in clothing or electronics. That becomes the, the mahut, the essence of people. When people live today their life, it's more about what they look like. If I look good, then I'm good. If people think I'm good, I'm good. It's not about who I really am. It's about the name that people have about me. That same model that we see in the streets is part of people's lives. People no longer even have dreams of being good. It's all about what you can do to look good. So if it's, just, it's, it's all about status. And whatever you value, that's how you want to look good in that value. So we live in a world that's very fake. The facade is more important than what's inside. So this becomes an extra challenge. A person to live like Isav is really bad. Mikolra. Notice what we asked how he started the class. Mikolra. We said there's things that are really bad, but people may not look at them as bad. What is that? Isav. Here's a guy, you look at him. He's in shul every morning. He's learning. He's doing, he's doing a lot of great things. You look at him externally. God looks gorgeous. Says, says David Melech, Hashem will watch you mikol ra. You think that that's good? Not good. It's not good to be that person, even though he looks right, he looks great, because it's a fake. Hashem will watch. If Hashem is watching over you, he makes sure also that you stay authentic. I'll just leave you with a story, a very beautiful story, very hard story to understand. And with this, we end for today. The Gemara says in Masechet Avodah Zarah that there was a time during the Roman Empire where they made decrees against the Jewish people with very hefty punishment if one would transgress those decrees, those, those uh, things that they said not to do. One of the things that they decreed was that Jews were not allowed to learn Torah. Imagine, in those days, even Goyim knew that the essence of a Jew is Torah. Do you imagine that? Today, what Jews themselves don't know, the Romans knew. They made a decree. How are we going to stop Jews? Oh, you can't learn Torah. Imagine, they would see you reading a book. So what are you, what are you, what are you doing? What are you reading? Gemara says there was a great Tana, one of the great rabbis in our history, his name was Rabbi Hananiah ben Teradion. He, during that time, he would teach Torah in public. Which means he, people came to learn, they had shiurim. Rabbi Yosef ben Kisma was another great man. He once saw him. He says, uh, are you teaching Torah in public? Don't you know what's going on? With the Romans, don't you hear about the decrees? What are you doing? He said, I wouldn't be surprised if they get you and burn you. What are you doing? Fine. That was his complaint. He told them, Mina He says, I hope Shemaim will have compassion over me. 
Okay, that's a different part of the story. Not for today. But the next word, listen to these words. You ready for this? Says the Gemara. Rabbi Hananyam bin Tiradion, who's a Tana, his whole life he's learning Torah. He's risking his life to teach Torah. He's ready to die. He tells Rabbi Yosef ben Kisma, he says, Rabbi, tell me, do I have a portion in the world to come? Isn't this question? He wants to know. Now, everybody here thinks they have not only a portion, okay? We walk around thinking we have a very big portion, okay? And this man is asking him, do I have a portion in the world to come? That's a wild question. And the answer is even worse than the question. He tells him, Rabbi Yosef Gizma tells him, he says, um, tell me, did you do anything good in your life? That's the question. Is it? Did you do anything? The man just told you, and you know, he's risking his life to teach Torah. He says, tell me, did you do anything worthwhile in your life so I'd be able to answer you if you have a portion in the world to come? Okay, what a conversation this is. He says, you know something? Yes, I did something worthwhile in my life. He's really, what'd you do? He says, one time, on Purim, I had money to buy me and my family a nice seoda for Purim. And I had another pocket of money that I was going to give to Anim, to four people. He says, the money got mixed up. I didn't know which money was which, how much was for the Anim, how much was for the Sauda. I didn't know what to do. He says, I decided to give all the money to Anim. And I went and I got a meal, I guess a more simple meal. He didn't have enough money to buy the, the meal he thought he was going to have. He went more simple, maybe he had guests coming, whatever it is. He said, I gave the money to Anim and I didn't take the money for my Sauda. When Rabbi Yosef ben Kisma, when he hears this, he says, wow. He says, I wish that my portion in Olam Abba would be next to you. That's the story. That's the end of the Gemara. You read this Gemara, you think you're in the twilight zone. You know, what's going on? You, you have, a, you have a, a Tana, you have a person like Rabbi, he's asking him, did you do anything? And out of all the things he did, he didn't talk about risking his life to teach Torah. He didn't talk about anything. But he write? He tell him. He had a story once on Purim. And he had money mixed up. What is that? What's going on here? You know what's going on here? Let me tell you what's going on. Learning Torah. Maybe you're a fake. Oh, you're risking your life to teach Torah? Oh, hero. You want to be a hero? You want to, you want to leave this world and the next day they're going to say, oh, on the front pages, you know this man? He died for Kiddush Hashem. You know how many things people do to get recognition? You know how many guys try to go down Niagara Falls? They're people. They try to make it down Niagara Falls. They died, of course. But it was, uh, he's a hero. Look, we're talking about them today. Feel very hashu. The things that you do in public Says Rabbi Yosef ben Kisma, I don't know. I don't know where that's coming from. I can't say where you're coming from. I can't guarantee you what's your helak about. You're teaching Torah, who knows why. You're risking your life, who knows why. He's not, he's not suspecting him. 
But if you're asking me, do I know for sure? I don't know. Could you tell me something that you did that I would know? He tells him a story about Purim. What happened to that story? It's a story that nobody knows about. It's a story where he found money in his pocket. No one knew about the money. No one knew how much money. No one knew what happened to him. He could have easily taken the money and said, okay, I'll do this for that. It's something that was done completely in private. That's the story he shared with him. He told him, if that's who you are, if you're a guy who's true to yourself, even in private, when nobody sees, if that's who you are, I wish that my portion will be with your portion. This is mikol ra. Hashem should save us mikol ra from things that we wouldn't think is so bad. Okay, well, I'm, but I'm doing good. No, no, but it's, it's a fate. That's what the Midrash means. Hashem is, will save you from Isav, from being like Edom, from being a faker in your life. Because a faker is a terrible bed and people don't really necessarily see that as so bad. They see other things as bad. This one, not so much. Says David Melech, Mikolra, you need to be saved from this too. Because this also is very bad. Have a wonderful day.